Welcome to Behind the DM Screen. It is September 2019. We are three DMs helping each other out and talking about our games. I am Jeff Greiner, and you are... Yeah, this is where you say your name, guys. Who? You, Mike. Choose one of us. <laughs> you are Mike. I am Mike Shea. Hello. And? And I am I am Sam Dillon. There we go. So that's, that's our three DMs. We talk about our games. We put 15 minutes on the clock, uh, and we always go over. So, uh, based on the order from our last recording, it is my turn to go first. Uh, and it's weird. I have a lot to talk about, I guess, or I could talk a lot about stuff, I guess. Um, because I think, had I played it all with my new group last time we talked? No. No. You, you, had, you had plans to, you had met them. Right. I think, but that was it. So now um, we've gotten together. We've had four sessions since the last time we talked. Um, Like this group, we're meeting weekly, like, you know, a lot of D&D groups do. And that means that we are like getting a lot of gameplay in. So I've done a lot of stuff um, lately. Since we last talked, we have started uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. And you're excited about that? No, you're, yeah, this is your Dragon Heist slash Ravenloft slash other. Three other adventures. <laughs> no, no. Well, sort of. <laughs> and it's way more than three, but yes. <laughs> I'll explain that in a second. So um, we have finished chapter one and we are um, partway through chapter two. Um, you're not wrong, I guess, Mike, in that it's a bunch of other adventures because um, what I did is I looked through all of these products that I own, including several of yours. Yay! Um, that that are basically a collection of loosely or not at all connected adventures, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, okay, which of these adventures could I pull out and make short little side quests and faction missions in the middle of Dragon Heist? And so then I sort of put put all of the faction missions from Dragon Heist on a spreadsheet and then added on these extra ones that were p- potential extra um, faction quests. So I don't know which ones I'll use and which ones I won't, but I've got a, I've got probably, um, you know, each, I think the Dragon Heist has four or five faction missions. I think it's four faction missions for each faction. Mm-hmm. And I've got like six faction missions for each faction. And actually, um, some of the ones from um, Fantastic Adventures were fit really well in really interesting ways for Yay. some of the factions. Um, so I'm excited to see how those play out, actually. One of the ones that I thought was super fun that I thought could could work out well with the larger campaign arc was there's one where, what is it, they go and deal with, like, um, demons and stuff? There's the the, the Crash Celestial ship? Yeah. The, yeah, the Celestial, the, the, crash, the crash Palace? Yeah, yeah. And there's a bunch of devils, right? Right, right, that's what it was. Uh, and so that's the one that I think will fit really well with sort of I could I could do things with that that play into the larger story arc that I've got going on that connects Waterdeep to Ravenloft and and have a, sort of a campaign that that goes on from after that to, to wrap up the the, the, the larger arc. Um, and so that'll fit in really well. The, the only downside to that right now is that it needs to be a or I, I've envisioned it as a. Um, 
Um, is it Order of the Gauntlet that's the the the, the paladins and clerics faction? Yep. Yeah. So I, I envision it as one of their um, faction missions, and I have a paladin of one of those gods in the party, so connecting them to that faction would be really easy. But I felt like in the first couple sessions of Chapter 2, like I was just hitting them over the head with, with factions, and so yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want to shoehorn that in. I know your advice is stick to like two or three, and I didn't right. do that, and I, and I, and I think I'm going to be happy I didn't do that, but it did make for a weird session. Yeah. It's just a lot. It's a lot of choices. It is. It is a lot of choices. Uh, although some of that worked out well because like um, I have – so I have one character who's not – I don't have any drow, which you would think would eliminate Brigandareth, but I kind of wanted to bring Brigandareth in because they're interesting. And I have a changeling rogue character. And so I'm like, well – Jarl Axel doesn't actually necessarily care if you're drow. He just needs all of his people to think that you're drow to keep up the facade. So his- yeah, I, I, I never bought why that was a limitation. Like, like Jarl Axel has tons of people working for him that aren't drow. Sure. So and, and I don't that, know why that was, that was ever a limitation. Well, he has, I mean, it's a, prim- it's a predominantly drow faction. But yeah, I think there's some wiggle room there to be like, hey, you can be one of the exceptions that work with us or whatever. But, but his, the deal is, well, you're a changeling. So whenever you do a mission for us, I need you to be in drow form just so that the rest of my crew doesn't realize that I'm, I'm going outside the family. Right. And then that was the same character. He's you know being the rogue and he's got kind of a shady thing going on or whatever. He also got the pitch from the Zinterim and... Uh, their their contact with Brigandareth, which of course is totally not Jarlaxle, it's JB Nevercott, right? Wink, wink. Um, and so JB Nevercott's like, look, I know you've been in contact with the Zins. And for the record, I'm perfectly okay with you joining both factions. You just make sure to let us know what the Zins are up to. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> so he's setting him up to be a double agent, right? Did I, did I tell you my trick for, for JB Nevercott? What's that? That that so I I would have so there's Zardoz Zord right who's head of the head of the ship, and then JB Nevercott who works for Zardoz Zord and and the, the big question in the meta game is like well which one of them is Jarlaxle really and I threw in a doppelganger and I had them switch roles all the time so you uh, never knew which one you were actually dealing with well and so far they've never they haven't ever seen both of them together and so there's yeah. no reason to think they can't both be the same person right right so. We'll see how that uh, that plays out, but yeah, and then I, I you know, I one of my, so w- one of my in my background document that I gave the the one pager that I actually had you look at in advance, Mike. I, I laid out sort of a brief like one sentence description of each of the factions, and then in like our opening sort of building background for characters and, and that kind of stuff piece, I had them be like I had that some of them built in connections to some of those, so I have a druid. Uh, who hit, came to Waterdeep explicitly seeking out, uh, you know, the Emerald Enclave. So that was easy. I had uh, a guy, uh, the Paladin of, of Torm, specifically seeking out the temple there. So getting in the Order of the Gauntlet, when he finally goes to do that, it will be easy. So I haven't shoehorned that one in because I know he's going to seek it out anyway. Um, and, and so then all the other ones sort of fit in nicely and were kind of fun and worked and, and whatever. Um, and then I've also been using the same trick I used to do with the weekly newsletter. Um, you know, I used to do that with several campaigns that we've talked about. Um, and in doing that, I'm able to sort of not only hint at ways that 
the players are affecting the world and remind them what happened last session. But I'm also able to throw in like, oh, by the way, the cat, the, the, the founders day celebration is coming up in a few, in a few 10 days. You might want to uh, get ready for the celebration. And Oh, the, the performers at the sea, the, the sea maidens fair, that's which is Brig and Dareth are totally talking about putting on a great parade. So people should look out for that. You know, so I'm, I'm sort of, Throwing in, sprinkling in ideas and hints about other things that are coming up and uh, pointing them, you know, eventually to deal with the castle enters and all that. I did, I am changing, I haven't introduced it yet, but I'm changing the, so there is a, um, a well, okay, <laughs> let me back up. Uh, one of the other things that I've done to tweak the, the first few chapters is I've, I'm using a product called or was it Lost Tales of of Waterdeep or whatever. It's a it's a um, book on um, DMs Guild, uh, Forgotten Tales, Dragon Heist, Forgotten Tales. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, but uh, I think I've seen it, but I don't. I don't yeah, know so it so it is basically alternative options for for Dragon Heist written by pretty much all of the designers of the original Dragon Heist book, except for the original Watsi, except mm-hmm. for the Watsi guys. So it's Will Doyle, James Hake, and James Intercasso. Um, so I don't know. I haven't asked them about it, but my guess is this is like, well, we had some alternative ideas that didn't make it into the book. We'll put them in here and, and, and sell them on DMs Guild. So they have a chapter one that is actually – much better, or much more connected to other oh, yeah, factions. Yeah. So it's got it's it's got one that's all about the the you know the cult. The, the, there's a cult of of you know devil worshiping cult that they have to that you have to foil instead of um, the other thing. Right. Right. So so I but I wanted them to be able to start in the yawning portal because it's kind of iconic and we got a guy who's a big fan of the realms and I'm like ah it's, it, there's a lot of cool people to meet there if you're if you know the the people right. He'll enjoy that. He'll have a lot of fun. So I wanted to start the Yawning Portal. So I t- sort of um, melded a little bit of, of the original Chapter 1 and but had them do this instead of the, the hunting down the gang war thing um, because that is more, much more connected to the season that I'm doing, which is the summer, which is the Castle Anters and, and all of the, that is involved in that. Um, so the, And that went really well. I guess my uh, and the mo- the most recent change because so this is what Mike this is what you were uh, rolling your eyes at me for on Twitter recently. Um, so we recently I had, re- go, I had to go find an animated GIF. Right, and, uh, <laughs> it, took some, it took some effort. It did. I appreciate your your effort to roll your eyes at me on Twitter. Um, so we re- I recently did a review of Tales of the Old Margrave, which is a Cobalt Press. Um, Midgard book, right? So Tales of the Old Margrave, the Margrave Forest is this giant, like, ancient, older-than-the-gods, sentient forest um, that sits outside of Zobek a little ways, which is their big city. And I'm like, well, I could, you know, and other than that, it's just a collection of random, unconnected adventures. So I'm like, I'm going to pull things out like that, and I'll just have them go to a nearby forest by Waterdeep if I want to do some of these or whatever. And then I was talking during the review, and I'm like, you know... I could just have the Margrave show up um, and, and just appear outside of Waterdeep mysteriously and totally explain it because my, my larger arc here is that 
Barovia uh, of, of Ravenloft used to be located 2,000 years ago where Waterdeep is now. If you look at the timeline of the realms, it was kind of, the space was kind of empty and unused at the time. There's not a lot going on at that point in its timeline. So why couldn't it have been Strahd coming in and, and it all disappearing? So, so when the mists come and steal people for Ravenloft, they're only stealing them from Waterdeep. Like it's been this weird mystery going on for 2,000 years. Do you, do, you know that, do you know that player who picks a character and they can't really decide what <laughs> class they like? So they, so they want to do them all. Classes. Yeah. And then, and then their turn comes up, and they only have one action. Uh-huh. But they have, like, 15 different things they can do in that action. That's uh-huh. like you with adventures. Yeah, except that, <laughs> except that it works. <laughs> like, if, if, it was, if it was disjointed and didn't like, come together, I, I wouldn't do it. I don't it. have enough forests in my adventure, in my city adventure. So I'm going to have two. Well, oh, so- yeah. And Margrave. <laughs> right, exactly. Except here's here's my explanation. So, so if I if I didn't have a, a, a larger vision that made it, that made it work in my head, so that I could maintain some internal consistency, I wouldn't have done it. Right, uh, and and the vision I had is that the Margrave was there when Barovia was there. It was part of Barovia, and it was taken into the mist and became part of Ravenloft at the same time Barovia did two thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. It is. It has been there this entire time, and I even had this idea from a playtest I'm doing for your new product, where there, where there is an ancient forest that can be only spoken to by a great vampire queen, right? Yep. So I'm like, hey, that could totally be what's going on in Margrave, and a great vampire queen totally fits into the Barovia Strahd thing. I totally uh, need a playtest of that adventure, too. Well, I could do it, but not for a couple sessions. <laughs> so, <laughs> how much time you got? It has to be tomorrow. Yeah, no. So I can't help you with that. <laughs> uh, so, so in my in my head, um, in the, or in the larger plan, Margrave was split off with Barovia and was part of that kingdom. But because weird things are happening with the Dark Powers, which is my larger meta arc, um, the barriers are breaking down, and the Margrave has accidentally slipped through and returned. And so they've walked into the Margrave and, and they're doing one of the adventures in there right now, uh, which is a weird, creepy, like horror thing, which fits in really well with the setting up the tone of, of Ravenloft. And they're in, going into this little village in the middle and they're like, so do you guys like know where you are? Like, yeah, we're, we know where we are. If you, if you travel down this path, you know, a, a, a half a day, you come to the village of Barovia and those are the people we trade with and we get wine from the Wizard of Wines and blah, 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 whatever, right? And so they're starting to lay the groundwork that there's, this, there's something weird going on and they're not from here and they're starting to hint at the things that the PCs will eventually run into in um, – Ravenloft. So it's all coming together really well, and I'm, I'm pleased with how it's working, despite Mike's eye rolling that I mash up too many things. <laughs> if it didn't work, like that's not the thing that I ever struggle with. So if it didn't work, I, I wouldn't do I, it. I, I roll because I love. I know. I know you do. Uh, my question is, and I'm running short on time, when do I throw the fireball? Because I know, Mike, you've uh, run Dragon As Heist. soon as things get boring. Okay. So I'm not sure that things are boring. That, fire, that fireball is your – so a uh, quick anecdote. And I, this, this counts towards your time. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when, when Stephen King was writing The Stand, he was, he, would, he was like 500 pages in and realized his whole thing was way too complicated. He had like 15 main characters and all these different little stories he's going on. He was totally lost. He's like, I have no idea what to do. And then he was like, oh my god, I'll blow him up. And he, <laughs> he has a scene in the middle – spoilers – where it blows up and like, you know, two thirds of all the main characters are killed in one shot. 
And now he's got four left. And the whole story is about those four. And that fireball is the same sort of thing. It's like a- after the point where you feel like uh, th- th- this was my experience. In my experience, as soon as I felt like there were too many threads going on and the direction of the characters was getting lost, mm-hmm. that fireball is what dropped in. And it's also the fireball is also kind of the beginning of the real story. Right. Like some stuff in chapter one with Raynar and everything. Right. But that all pretty much stops. And then you do all this crazy stuff in chapter two, whatever you want to do. Right. And then, and then the fireball is refocuses the whole game back down again. Right. So and that's, I, that's, and I have to say, I, re- I really love dragonized, but chapter two is kind of tough. Like it's, two, it, yeah. it's difficult it DMing. It is. It is, is definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and chapter chapter, I'd argue chapter four is similar. Is it? Yeah, because of the the chase. It, it, like most of that chapter is a giant chase, and it. And well, it, yeah, but chapter four that that chase is it's almost linear. It, it, except it's kind of not because you got like ten locations, and it's just well, the the chase is this. Yeah, it doesn't. You, it you doesn't jump work. around in the book, but the story that they follow is pretty linear in terms of how it goes. Yeah, but it's so like leading by the nose, like oh yeah. this. McGuffin, it's right yeah, there. Yeah. You missed it again. Oh, and you do that ten times. And and oh, that oh. and it's weird also because like chapter two feels like it could go on for five or six or seven sessions. <laughs> right, right? The other one's like an hour and a half. Yeah. Where, where whereas yeah, chapter four seems like well that's that's one session at most, you know. Yeah. And there's so, a great. I, I'll, I'll throw my little advice out unsolicited yeah. here for that for chapter four. But for chapter four in particular, I think running it as an investigation works a lot better. The thing is already gone. Like the, the the stone of galore has already been captured. It already ended up wherever it's oh. going, and it's the character's job to figure out where it had gone to, so they can figure out where it is. And you're going through those locations. You're going to, through locations to, step by step. That's a good idea. Yeah, and it works. It, it means that you've got a lot more flexibility and timing and everything else. It's not like you you're, right. you just don't want to dangle this carrot in front of them and they never can get it. You know, okay. like yeah. So here's my here's my real here's so I asked about the fireball because of this. I, I feel like they're still having fun sort of running around and doing the faction mission, so I don't have a problem with that. But I have at least one character who is really jonesing to level up, to hit level three. And yeah. we had previously talked about how the game is kind of designed that you level up from one to two after like one or two sessions, and you level up from two to three after like two to four sessions, yeah. uh, you know, is, is sort of the, the norm in terms of, of how that sort of pacing works. And I mentioned that to him, and now he's like, okay, well, it's been three sessions. When are we leveling up? <laughs> yeah, like, I think it, well, that's right. So I, that, that was actually, I had a similar problem in Tomb of Annihilation. I think that, I think you could safely level them up whenever you feel like it in the middle of chapter two. Okay. So none of, none of those faction missions are going to be ruined or whatever. Well, because remember, the faction missions are, are, are levels two to five. Like I well, well, but they're ranked level two to five. Like some of them are specifically there's there's a level two, yeah, a level three, level four, D&D's, level five. Yeah, level the yeah, power level in D and D is a flexible thing. You could just That's throw true. a couple more monsters in there. Well, and most of them don't even have monsters. Like the first faction yeah, mission yeah. that they accomplished was yeah. hunting down Maxine, the talking horse. Yeah. Right, and they had so many bad rolls. They spent they spent like a full day in game just looking for that, that freaking horse. I love that you saw that and and you didn't do it like I did. Eventually, like oh, there's no way I'm running that. Like you kidding me, chasing a horse? Oh. I, I thought it was kind of quirky and fun. So I, I, I guess I mean like I, you know I took the 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 water deep uh, random encounter thing and I ran a lot of that. You know, oh, so, so they did, they did the horse like I mean they went and stole a 
a chamber pot from somebody and became the chamber pot gang. So oh. <laughs> mine wasn't any less. So my, my, my horse hunt though, I mean, they could, they didn't find it with just a general sort of looking around investigation. They couldn't get the roles. And so then they went like to the, the, what is it? The farm ward or whatever, where they, and they talked to like all the people who supply the feed, like, Hey, does anybody know it? Like, so they, I mean, they worked really hard and walked all over that freaking city looking for that horse. And eventually they found it. And then I had to figure out, well, what can I do to make it like interesting? So I gave it like a, a funky little, uh, silk hood that wore and, and whatever. Right. You know? So, uh, but yeah, anyway, yeah, I, wouldn't worry too, I wouldn't worry too much about leveling. Okay. Like level them when you feel like it. All right. So maybe after they finish this, uh, this Margrave adventure and I, I keep calling it Margrave, but in game I always call it Margrave. It's weird. Um, but they're in the middle of one called The Hollow, which is kind of fun. But it's also written in such a kind of an open way. It's not the easiest DMing one. It's like, oh, you walk into a village. Here's the locations of the NPCs. I guess the DM yeah. can figure some stuff out. You know? <laughs> is, this, is this the first one? Is this the one where you're yeah. going after the, 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 the big-ass creature that's taking heads? Well, it's, the creature's not that big, but it's working for a big uh, sleeping treant, basically. Right. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be running that for a side group. Yeah, it's it's fun, but it's not. It, it's similarly like here's some general stuff. Go ahead and make up what what to do and what's going on on your own, sort of thing. Right. It's a, it's a little bit loosey goosey in terms of in, much like chapter two of, of Dragon Heist in general. I'm finding myself with a lot less guidance than I was originally uh, hoping I would have. I guess so. Yeah. So anyway, I'm way over my time. Um, so I should take a break here to mention our new sponsor, Skull Splitter Dice. Mm. Uh, Skull Splitter Dice reached out to me saying, "Hey, we like the Tome Show. We want to support you, and we want to, you know, make an offer to all of your awesome uh, listeners." And so, Skull Splitter Dice, I think they they first got their starter. At least I first noticed them because they were one of the early companies to do metal dice. Mm. Um, but they also have some pretty fantastic plastic style dice and they've got a variety of different cases, uh, that the dice can come in. So you can kind of pick and choose which one you think looks cooler and whatever. Um, I, I have myself ordered a bunch of their dice and the one I want to talk about tonight is I, is the metal dice. I ordered some of their metal dice. It's the hunger of the ancients metal dice. It's sort of this industrial gray color with gold numbering on it that kind of matches my oh yeah, look at some that. Of my other sets. And so it's it's pretty cool. Um, I mean, a lot of the dice uh, we've had some pretty awesome dice companies that have metal dice before and there are some similarities with each one, but each one also has some pretty unique things going on. And I, I really like that Hunger of the Agents piece. Um, yeah, they look cool. Myself, very so. cool looking. so that's my new set of metal dice. And that and case that- is great. What, what's it like inside the case? Uh, so, so I didn't get the one in the case. I got the one that was in the oh. bag because I already have. Well, a, you must I already have because that case is awesome. The case looks cool, but I already have a case to hold all my dice, and I'm up to three right. sets of metal dice now. So yeah. I wanted to yeah. to just use what I had. So, yep. Right. So that's our new sponsor. And what's more, if you want to check them out, go to SkullSplitterDice.com/slash/TomeShow, and you will go to our special Tome Show landing page. And on that landing page, not only will they know that you came to to them from us, um, but they also let you know that there, or remind you that there is a coupon code. If you use the coupon code Tome Show, you get 15% off. Ah, cool. So there you go. And they said they would leave that up for several months. So if you're listening to this late, it may still be working. Look, mate, three generations ago, my ancestors forged the Great Blade Skull Splitter. With it, They won the Goblin Wars, the Hobgoblin Wars, the Orc Wars, the Demon Wars, the Elf Wars, and the Gelatinous Cube Wars. 
And that one doesn't even make sense because they don't have skulls. Now, all these years later, the legend of the Great Skull Splitter grows. Offering dice to help you create your own legends, Skull Splitter Dice makes the highest quality dice beautiful dice of both plastic and metal. Want to roll bones that look like bones? Or just something with enough heft to split the skulls of your enemies? Skull Splitter Dice has that and more. Check them out now at SkullsplitterDice.com slash Tomeshow and use the coupon code Tomeshow with all little letters and get 15% off. Now get out there, split some skulls, and build some legends. All right, so that is the sponsor, Mike. I have Yo. 15 minutes on the clock, and I hear through the grapevine that you have a big, juicy problem. I got problems, man. All right, the clock has started. I got major vampire problems. So I am running Ghosts of Salt Marsh, and it is an, I'm really enjoying it. I'm running it for two groups, and um, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And one of the interesting things is, like, there's a lot of little things going on in, in Salt Marsh. There's, and the, 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 the kind of fun and tricky bit about running this adventure is that it goes from streamlined old school adventures to open sandboxy stuff going on in Salt Marsh. And in particular, there are two main factions at work in the city of Salt Marsh. There's the traditionalists who are like all the fisher folk who have been there for a while and they've kind of dealt with smugglers before. And maybe a couple of them had something to do with some slavery a while ago. But they're 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 past that now. And the loyalists who are loyal to King Scotty in the kingdom of Kyoland and they're they just started a big mining operation nearby. And so they're bringing a lot of new money, which means a lot of new troops and everything else. So those are two warring factions that kind of exist. And the council is made up of five members. And two of the members are uh, loyalists and two of them are traditionalists. And there's one who's kind of in the middle, this young guy who kind of inherited his role on the council. And he's kind of the, the, the tiebreaker between the two, the two groups. But in, in, in truth, there's a third. This is totally filled with Saltmar spoilers. Uh, there's a third faction, the Scarlet Brotherhood, and they are working in the background. And the whole secret there is that the, the middle guy, Anders Solmar, the young dude, he's not actually a member of the group, but he's being fed information from someone who is. And that's like a fun thing going on. So there's like who in the town are members of the Scarlet Brotherhood and what's going on with them. And then like Ned, there's this guy named Ned Shakeshaft, Ned Shankshaft who's one of the NPCs that you find in the first adventure. And it's like, he's kind of working for the main guy. There's all sorts of secrets there. And my trick is like, I, I, I've only introduced the, the spy w like once or twice. And otherwise I keep him off screen and he's doing things off screen. And he's smart enough to know not to uh, show himself to the characters because he'll get exposed. And, and, I, and I kid you not, like the minute I put him on screen, the minute I mention him, my wife is like, who's this guy? Where did he come from? Right. And she immediately suspected him. And I was like, God, you know, like <laughs> literally like came in and offered a drink. And she's like, what's he doing here? Right. So I, I'm playing that in game that he saw that she saw him. And she's like, he's like, I'm never going to go in front of them again. Right. Like they'll figure me out. So I'm going to stay away. Anyway, so there's all this intricacy between all of these various factions. That, and like half of what's going on in the town is happening outside of the game. Right. They don't the characters don't even know what's going on. And. It's fun, but they kind of know something's going on, and I'm dropping these little hints. So then in my Sunday group, um, 
I also they, they were kind of like exploring around and they heard that there's this guy named um, like old Ned, not old Ned, old, old something, old Ben. Let's say old Ben <laughs> and, and, and old Ben, uh, old Ben uh, who fought in the Clone Wars. Yeah, old Ben who fought in the Clone Wars. Well, yeah. <laughs> things aren't good for old Ben because he lives in the crab shack and they went to go visit old Ben and he's there with two other guys. Only the two other guys are ghouls. Right. And the ghouls are slowly eating him, but they'll be more than happy to eat the characters. So, you know, and Mold Ben doesn't mind the fact that they're slowly eating him like they ate one of his feet. And um, so they kill the ghouls and old Ben's like, yeah, but I'm talking. I've got a friend, you know, my friend, the voice that talks under the hill and his name is uh, Zolek. Right. And they're like, who's this Zolek? You know, show us where Zolek is. And he's like, oh, there's this little hole underneath this rooted tree. And if you go down there. So they like crawl down there and they end up in this great big vault. And then I, I added this, right? I, I pulled, I pulled the cell out of, um, my new book. And, uh, so they go in this vault and there's this huge underground chamber underneath salt marsh. And there's this worked stone cell that's imprisoning a creature. And there's this huge symbol to St. Cuthbert in front of it that prevents the creature from escaping. And, and they're like, what the hell is that? And they see all these ghouls are like climbing on the walls and climbing out of this big rift in the floor. And they're like, what the hell? And then they see this like tiny, you know, thin armed, emaciated creature crawls out of the cell. And it just and now he has like one good eye and it like looks at one of the characters and they get this. They, they, they succeed on their save. So they weren't immediately charmed, but they they got this message that said, help me. Right. Please. You know, this, this request, like, help me now. This is like a throwaway paragraph in the adventure itself. Can right? I, can I, I break of, in here real yes, quick? Yes. This is so hilarious because I was talking to my brother yesterday. He lives in Germany. Right. And he just started a, to play D&D fifth edition with this group and they're running through salt marsh. And one of their players is dealing with the exact thing you're about to talk about and he mentioned the same thing that he was talking to the dm and it's like this little throwaway three sentence yeah. paragraph thing and right. suddenly it has become yeah it's like the new adventure sideline of the adventure and right. they're trying to figure out how, how to fix right. the issue so they literally <laughs> I'll, I'll jump to a spoiler but i'll jump to like the end which was well we can either deal with this new vampire menace that we unleashed on the town or we could go deal with those lizard folks that, that are over the hill let's go do the lizard folk like they'll be fine with the vampire okay so so for those of us who, who aren't intimately familiar what's the, what's this throwaway line and what what does it lead so the, to the throwaway line is that underneath the crab shack there is a vampire that's been trapped by a, a cleric of saint cuthbert but the vampire has heard secrets going on in the town so it can offer up information if somebody's willing to free it that's basically all it says right and so uh, so I in added my, the vault and everything well so in my brother's game one of the character one of their pcs was like oh you know we need to figure out what to do and of course the the dm was like oh man i don't want them to totally side rail this so he told them the they that the to to get this vampire free they have to do like all these horrible things like they need the blood of an innocent and then oh but then they need <laughs> they, the blood they of kept uh, doing it. yeah and and they need the blood of a virgin and now they need the blood of like somebody who's who's really young and like <laughs> all these things and the rest of the party's like let's go check out other things and this one guy the one no, I'm is in. like yeah. no i i need we need to free this guy he has something we want right so that's that's kind of what happened in my <laughs> do they know he's a vampire um in his game i don't know I, I don't I don't know I I, I don't know. What about your so, game, Mike? Do they know? I, I, think, they, I think they, they suspect, knew, but it's in, not in my exactly. Game, yeah. yeah. In in my game, they knew it was something powerful, and it's surrounded by ghouls, so it's not like very good. 
but they didn't know it was a vampire at first. They were, I'm pretty sure the players had an idea, though. Like, if they're making DC 17 wisdom saving throws when it looks at them, you know, they're pretty sure yeah. what that thing is. So they, um, anyway, so they went down there, and we had one game where there was four players instead of the normal six. And one character was like, I, I think... They, so they left it alone. Like they saw it and they freaked out and they ran and they went and talked to some other people and they went and talked to the old wizard and they're like, hey, what's this guy that's living underneath the thing? And he's like, Zolek, don't go down there. And they're like, well, we went down there. And he's like, well, then you're marked by him. And God knows what that means. And they're like, huh, we're marked by him. OK, well, maybe we should go down and talk to him again. So they went <laughs> they went back to the thing and he's there and, and he's still like this emaciated form. But there's all these ghouls standing around not attacking. And he just says, like, I, you know, help me and I can answer your questions for you. Like, I know what that crazy swirling symbol means. And I know, you know, I know lots of things that are going on in this town. And all you need to do is pick me up and carry me across this, the symbol, the sigil. Right. And so one of the characters is like, OK, let's do it. And she did. She went across and she picked him up and she carried him across and he drops and he, he starts to freak out. And they're like, what's going on? And he's like, he's hungry. And so one of the characters is like, he can, he can go ahead and feed on me. That's okay. But, <laughs> and he drains like 20 hit points from the guy. And then, and then he's like still like this ravenous childlike monstrosity. And he zips off, right? He runs away. And they're like, whoa, man, what did we just do? You know, like the characters are all standing there. One guy's like drained of 10. I think he had 10 hit points permanently drained off. So he's like, man, what do we do? And, um, so then they went about their business and, and learned some other stuff. But then the next session, I randomly rolled to see who the vampire killed, right? Because the vampire is going to go out and immediately kill somebody to get more blood. It needs blood, right? It, has, it hasn't eaten in hundreds of years. And so I rolled a random NPC, and it was cool. It was like this halfling that had a, had a red drake pet, and it was evil. That The halfling was evil. So I made her an inquisitor of the king that had been sent for as a mercenary. She's like this hired you know, sort of Blackwater style person who's going to come to Saltmarsh and interrogate traditionalists to find out what they know about this whole smuggling thing. Right. And and she, and she was the first one killed. So they they're the, the session started and they're like walking around doing their stuff. And I'm like and then you see this gathering of people and they all go around. And here's this dead halfling woman with her throat ripped out. And they're like, and, and and there's a red drake that's going crazy. So they're like, oh, the red drake must have killed the halfling. So they kill the red drake. And it's like, no, the red drake was protecting the body of the halfling. And like, oh, that's sad. And then, they're like, <laughs> and then they're like, oh, my God, those marks on its neck, those aren't red drake marks. Those are like, those are vampire marks. So they're like, we got to kill that vampire now. So they switched immediately over. And at this right. point. One of the other two players had returned and he's like, you did what? Like, you, you, know, you, you carried it over the seal? Like, what are you thinking? So he had no sympathy. And he's like, well, if we need two victims, I suggest these two pointing to two of the other player. Right, sure. Right? It's like, you guys are irresponsible. So like, they kind like, of, I, I get that guy, though. Like, I would have no sympathy. Like, you totally yeah. knew what you were getting into and you got into it right. anyway. So then, so then I kind of got boxed in because I'm like, they're, they're like, well, if this thing's killing innocents. We need to go kill it. So they went back they found another hole in the ground where it went to another crypt, like a temporary crypt where it's hanging out. And it's got more ghouls hanging around. And it comes out. And now it's like, I'm, I'm playing off of The Keep. If you ever saw the movie The Keep, it's a really cool movie. And one of the things is, as The Keep is about a vampire, that you don't doesn't look like a vampire. It doesn't no one describes it as a vampire, but it is a vampire. And it's slowly its body is rebuilding itself the more people it kills. So now it has like a nervous system, right? So now the emaciated bony guy is 
adolescent sized and has like veins and tendons and stuff building, but he's not fully back yet. It's going to need to kill a couple more people first. And um, so they met him and they're like, he starts talking to me is like, you know, don't worry about like, I know, I, I know I randomly killed somebody. I hope they weren't too important, you know, but I'll be far more selective in who I kill from now on. And they're like, no, like you're going to kill people and it's our fault. No, we're not going to allow that. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? Like, <laughs> like, I'm a vampire. I'm still a vampire. And I still got six ghouls here, you know? And they're like, yeah, I don't know. Like we're third level. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But they're like, but we got to, you know, immediately, even the one who brought him over the seal is like, he's my new vengeance oath of enmity. Like, I got to go kill this guy. And I'm like, wow, you guys switched on this dude fast. So I'm, I'm trying to play him. A, I've got one player who's like, he's so sort of against the whole thing. He's ready to throw other character, other player characters under the bus. And all the characters are like, now we got to kill this vampire. So I, I don't want it to turn into, you know, freaking, you know, 30 days and night. And, and have the whole town immediately taken over by vampires. Um, and I, I want, like, and one, one player was like, you know, this could be a good new council member. <laughs> like, we already have a vacancy because we, we ended up killing that other council member, which is a whole other story. You know, so why don't we put this guy in the council and he kind of works for us? And the reality is, like, that whole storyline about... Wait. And he kind of works for us? Well, because they brought him over the seal. Yeah, but right? why, he doesn't work for them. He's a vampire. <laughs> My thought is like he's he's kind of like I, I like these guys, right? Like they helped me. They actually did, and I, I don't mind working for them. And I don't want to take over the whole town. And I don't want to start a giant you know war. I've already done all that stuff. Like he's a thousand years old. He's like I've already led entire undead armies, and it didn't go well. And I ended up stuck in a vault for five hundred years. So maybe I just want to be like a normal dude. So now I want to be a minion to these third level PCs. <laughs> No, <laughs> remember, remember, is not a minion. Right? No, but, like he but he, you said he'd work for them. Yeah, well, so sure, they were they were like, you know, we need you to get a job, right? Like we need you to, and so so he's not their underling, right? Like he he's like he's like I could charm two of them and have them work for me and kill the other three and it'd be fine. Um, but he is like, but I don't think he wants to be a council member either. Like I think he'd rather own the council. But the interesting thing is, this is like a Cormac McCarthy novel all of a sudden because. <laughs> The whole storyline about the traditionalists, the loyalists, and the Scarlet Brotherhood doesn't matter when you have a vampire on your side. Because he can charm anybody and be like, who do you work for? Oh, I work for mm -hmm. this guy. Oh, okay. You know, and yeah, you know, did you ever work with slavers? Oh, yeah, I worked with slavers. So, like, you know, he can he can rip apart the whole plot of that, which I think is cool. Like, I'm totally with that idea that, oh, I was going to milk this whole Scarlet Brotherhood until, sorry, until the end of the campaign. Not anymore, Right. Like I'm perfectly happy with him dissecting that in one session. Oh, yeah. And all they have to do is feed him people. Right. Like it's still like they have this they have this resource, which is a guy who can do all that stuff, but they have to feed him people to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's really interesting. But the problem that I have is that I have pretty big inner party conflict over the topic. Right. And I don't know how to bring them all together so that they can come to like a like I got one guy who's like wants to make him a council member, and I got another one who wants to murder other people in the party for in the first place. You know, like I don't know how to get that back. Well, and and it, at least if they had let him go and then regretted it, you know, like the person who's now sworn the oath of vengeance yeah. or whatever, like okay, there's a there's a path to redemption there, I guess. Right, right. But the other person, it sounds like the other person is still completely on board with being on this guy on the vampire side. Yeah, he's he's also his character is always the like, you know, misinterpreting the situation on purpose. 
Right. So like he was convinced, you know, that that the the lizard folk were enslaved by the pirates and needed to be liberated. And they're like, we were armed. <laughs> you know, like we're not, you know, we're working with them. We're not slaves to them. Right. So he's so he, he's and, and that works out. He's purposefully determined the situation. But I guess the big question is like, how do I get the players all back on the same page? Is it so that is it all the players or is it mostly just these two that have the conflict? Uh, it's really two. It's, it's, well, it's, so the two would be the one who let him go in the first place, even though she wants to kill him. I think she's more moderate. Like the, so the guy who's like, Hey, we should put him on the council. Right. He's not that way to it. And if everybody said, we're going to go kill him, he's like, okay, fine. We're going to go kill him. Okay. But even if they all come to the conclusion that like, we have a vampire that we set free and we need to finish it. They have the problem of he's a vampire and they're third level. So by the time, and, and one of the guys brought up the good point, which is, Every level that we gain that gets us closer, he's got five more vampires. Right. He's going to own half this town and we'll never get him. Um, so who, what's the villain they all agree on? Are they all agreeing on that the Scarlet Brotherhood is a problem? No, they don't even know about the Scarlet Brotherhood. Okay. Like they know that there's like a secret society, but they don't know anything about it. He'll tell them. <laughs> He'll be like, let me tell you who's on charge, you know? So here's I, – I find it so fascinating that, that – that my brother's group half the world away and this group is having similar, I mean, and part of it's, I'm sure a little bit of player personality, but you know, my my brother's a player in the group. He's not running the game. And, and basically the advice that I gave him to talk to his DM about, because my brother hasn't played D and D in like a couple of decades. And all of a sudden he's playing fifth edition and it's really, really awesome. But he's kind of doesn't like, he's really out of practice. Like he doesn't know, like, where the lines are and how to deal with people and, you know, that kind of thing. And I said, look, the DM just needs to find a way out of this. You know, the, the, cause the thing is that some of the players in his group are so upset about like the one guy trying to set the vampire free and the, the bad stuff that they're having to sort of know about because of that, even if they're not directly involved with the particular like sacrifices. Yeah, right. They and all don't want to, they don't want to be they, responsible. They don't want to be responsible. And yeah. so they're talking about like, we got to kill this guy in his sleep and like all this, yeah, you well, know, they're was, talking about like, how the conversation PC. went. In my group. Right. Yeah. So, so what I said to my brother was, you know, you need to, so in this particular group, they have not, um, they haven't released him yet, so so it's a slightly different problem from what you're you've got mm-hmm. because yours is already released. But um, I basically said, you know, that the group needs to learn of a problem that is bigger than that vampire, right. <laughs> or at least, or at least so, more immediate. So something, yeah, something has yeah. to happen that is a big enough deal and that needs attention right now. Right. That you're that even the guy who really wants to release the vampire needs to turn away. That doesn't really help your problem though, because honestly, they released the vampire. Yeah. If they don't find a way to neutralize that guy, because because my brother's group has the same problem. They're like third level. They, there's no way they could take the vampire. Right. You know. And I I basically was like, you know, this is this is this is a problem the dm needs to deal with mm-hmm. before that vampire gets released mm-hmm. so what do you do if the vampire is released <laughs> so so i think the advice can be like, similar i'm I th- sure your brother's a nice guy but i i got problems right yeah i think the advice can be similar in that at the very least you can buy yourself time by throwing a more immediate problem at him yeah, like, like this they, they, 
like they're they're off now dealing with the lizard folk. They they left okay. the salt marsh. And so so the vampires are a problem. We'll have to deal with that. But right now the right. lizard folk are a thing that we need right. to deal with. And I and I actually have like a month. Like it's going to be about a month of real time before they're going to come back and see what happened. But I got to decide like. Well, what, so here yeah. so. So here's my here's my question. So you have this conception of like what this van like this vampire doesn't have like ill feelings or something. Like he kind of likes the guys because they set him free. Um so he doesn't really want it. So, you know, I mean, you know, the other way to look at it is, well, there so there needs to be something big enough happening that gets his attention to to go look elsewhere. I, I yeah, I mean I I I kind of always thought this way. Like he is not so like he's patient, like he's just happy to be out of his cell, right? And he doesn't mind kind of like hanging out in Salt Marsh, and and he he doesn't want to destroy a whole town. He he really doesn't want to get the attention that got in the first place, where he ended up sealed in a thing. Mm-hmm. So you know the only actual issue is he does need to eat people. <laughs> so, well, so would mark, part, right? part of so me, they they could actually make a contract with him where. You know, they won't tell anybody about his true nature or whatever. Oh, by the way, they already told everybody. Oh. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Council knows about the vampire. See, the problem is that it doesn't matter. Like, the, the council could be like, well, what are we going to do? Like, right. I don't know, let's hire him. They don't, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so my th- thought then, the original storyline was going to be the Scarlet Brotherhood doing a thing, right? So there's one of two ways this can go in my mind is that the Scarlet Brotherhood approaches and makes a deal with the vampire and suddenly they're in league together and now the PCs find themselves with common allies with the villain, right? Or the Scarlet Brotherhood approaches him and he rejects them and he becomes the big threat that starts to bring the rest of the factions together. Uh, And so it turns into we've got all this stuff going on and there's a you know that we're having to deal with, with thus all the other side adve- or all the other adventures, but in the meantime, like this vampire thing is also happening, and then that becomes the larger sort of meta arc that resolves at the end of the campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I right, so I, I I I guess I don't need to worry about where things end up as much as I need to make sure that the motivation. That I throw into these. Yeah, areas. I guess it's the, it's the two PCs that are, are yeah, fighting. Goes, it goes in a direction where the PCs can at least come to an agreement. Right. And I, I think part of it could be like, my, my thought is that he's going to be, he'll, he'll, so I, A, I don't think he'll join the Scarlet Brotherhood. I think he, he thinks like they're pretty gauche, right? Like, oh, look, a secret society, you know? Well, but, but it's a, it's a, then he's got people that can bring him people to eat. Well, that's true. (laughs) I I think his agreement with the with the characters could be like, look, I'm going to turn a couple of people and they're going to go and find bandits and I'm going to eat bandits. So you don't have to worry about me eating members of Saltmarsh. I'm going to leave Saltmarsh be because I don't want to eat my own town. Right. And Mm -hmm. meanwhile, I'll only go after bad people. So don't worry about it. Right. So then I I guess there's two ways then then given that you're the you've refocused me back on the actual issue. Uh, of the split in the party, I think there's two ways that I that, there's two ways to handle it. And one of them is easy, but a little bit not maybe not as much fun. Right. Um, one way is do something with the vampire to make it a big enough threat mm-hmm. that that they unify on over the issue of okay, you were right, we messed up. It's time to take this guy down, or it's time to at least right. work towards that. Right. Um, or, which is not the direction you've been talking about taking him, but that would resolve the issue. The other thing that resolves the issue is that he leaves. 
you know, right. and maybe he's doing stuff somewhere else and comes back later, you know, when they're at a little bit more appropriate level or whatever, um, you know, metagaming wise. But but that's a that, that's a really easy solution. But it does then you miss out on a, on a fun NPC that you're having. Fun yeah, with. but I think if the answer, like, I, I'm probably going to email the player and say, like, what would your character, right? What what would possibly get your character to agree to Zolek staying in town? And if the answer is nothing, he's evil and I'm going to kill him. Then maybe Zolek's like, you know what? I was going to help you out, but maybe I'm just going to leave town. Right. And, and maybe you'll see me again, and maybe not. Yeah, so because really, there's there's a three way conflict going on here. Uh, there's a conflict between those two players and your desire to have an interesting NPC in the in the town. Yeah, but that's I got lots of. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I'm not too worried about it. You've got a fun thing going on, and, and I think it's just cool that it happened at all. Well, and the fun thing that's going you know, on that you're playing up is this gray area, and it's the gray area that's creating the conflict. And I want to milk that, right? Like I want. Yeah. I like the idea that, like, you know, how would you? Right. But your well, decision, your decision to milk that is what's creating the conflict. Are you willing to give up one innocent life to save ten? You know, this guy can offer that. Right, and that's um, but so, but but the funness of that creates the conflict that you're struggling with. That's true, right? So, so the question is, like, I need to find out more about the boundaries of this yeah. one particular. What are the boundaries and set your priorities? Yeah. yeah. So this could lead to a an epic showdown between two amazingly powerful entities that we would call vampires count Strahd and, and yeah, it would, it would if it's in, uh, well, it's in, uh, Jeff's game. In my game. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I, I just, I mean, in terms of, um, you know, maybe this, maybe this guy that this vampire, he goes off and he, you know, he's been imprisoned for, you know, generations and generations and generations maybe he actually is more curious about the world he's he's yeah he's not be happy to leave yeah Yeah. so he but he's but he can leave but but he can still be somewhat of like a a patron saint for lack of a better term you know he's 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 also like he's a source of information about other things stirring in the world and he may or may not be stirring the pot himself but, you know, he, he might actually go, you know, find something out that then that that player who really doesn't want him around when he comes back and he has that important information, mm-hmm. you know, that that PC, you know, at some point it's it's, it's sort of like it, it's it's a slightly different alternative problem, right? Like you're talking about, would you let one innocent life, you know, die for the for, to save 10? Now it's well, um you know, here's this information and I'm showing you that I can provide you with information that will allow you to save uncountable numbers right. of souls. Right. But, yeah. but you, but, but it has to be specific to the player who doesn't right that that player who, who really wants to get rid of this guy right. really needs to be the one that really, really, really needs that information. Oh uh, yeah. So he, like, what can he give this guy in particular? Right. Right. Exactly. And, and, and it can so, very – I mean I can very easily see this vampire going off and being like, hey, I'm going to go like – hey, I've been hanging out and hiding in the in the court of the nearby kingdom. What is it? Keeland? Yeah. Uh, and, and boy, let me tell you. Uh, yeah. you know, I've come back and boy, let boy, me tell you. You're in trouble. Uh, you are in trouble and they are going to just wipe Salt Marsh off the yeah. off the map and start over Man, and you guys are in I the just, way. <laughs> I, I, I just went to the styes because the cost of living was low and man, what a shithole. Yeah. Yeah. 
but but seriously though like it would have to be something that the pc who who you what you have to do is set up a situation where that pc really needs something right and the only source of that thing whatever it is whether it's an yeah, item or a piece right. of information that's, 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 like that's, yeah that's yeah. not bad i don't think it should be something that's so critical that i'm forcing him to make that choice sure no I, it should be something that's that's interesting enough that he wants to get it, but he's willing to say no. Yeah. That's oh, fair. sure. That, well, that's what makes the yeah. choice hard, right? If right. it was a no brainer, then it would, you know, yeah. If it was too good. Yeah. It, yeah. So I got to make the deal. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good. Thank you. Well, we are like 10 minutes over Mike's time too. <laughs> it's, it's almost been an hour and we haven't even gotten to say, <laughs> yeah. uh, let me very quickly mention that if uh, you want to support the show, other than going to our sponsor sponsor at skull splitter dice, uh, com slash tome show, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the tome show, uh, and become a patron of the show. Um, and, and be part of the conversation about where we go and what we're going to talk about and what we're going to do on the show, uh, or go shopping at DMs Guild or Amazon and go through the Tome Show links at thetomeshow.com, and we get a little percentage of that, and it gets shared amongst uh, the people who help make the show possible. All right, Sam, you've yeah, got sure. 15 minutes max. Go. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, I've got two face-to-face groups that I am, that I am, you know, currently dealing with. Uh, one of them is, well, actually I have one face-to-face group and then I have my streaming group. So that's kind of face-to-face. Uh, one of them is, is the group of youngsters that, uh, that I've been running, uh, Mike's playtest stuff through. Um, and I talked about them, I think the last time. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, school has started now and, and, and all that stuff. So we find, uh, shrinkingly little amount of time to play now. Um, but, uh, but what happened at the end of, they were, they were uh, trying to go down and, and finish this thing once and for all. Um, and I sort of, I sort of meshed two of the adventures together. And so, uh, they were in pursuit of this um, this this sorcerer or wizard or something. They're not quite sure, and uh, they've been told this person is a priest, but they're not quite sure. And they chased him down to uh, an ancient um, uh, area that uh, that his assistant has told them. Oh, they call that the the root. That's the root house, um, and uh, really, it's the Black Cathedral, and. So they they went down in there and they Yay. took they took a huge cadre of helpers from the town because there's only two PCs right it's only the two boys and then so they took they took a bunch of people with them um, and then they, they they got to the to the uh, the well I call it the well entrance it's a, a, a giant hole that goes down several hundred feet and that's how you get into the black cathedral and. They decided they were going to do some reconnaissance on their own, so they went down with one other person, and they explored two or three different areas, and they were doing really well until something happened. Um, oh, I know what it was. They went into <laughs> they went into this this room where the entire map of the universe is in this room. <laughs> of the universe, and the multiverse, the, the multiverse, oh, the entire, oh, yeah, all yeah. of the all of the universes. 
and because Mike, it take you it take you like fifty years to understand like right. one right. one million Cause, stuff. Because right. you, t- you talk about but, me doing crazy things. Mike likes to throw all kinds of weird, like wacky stuff. Like, yeah, I, so. I like to refer I like to refer to them as fantastic locations. Yes. Right. So, so here's so here's what happens. So the 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 PC he sa- he makes his save. So he doesn't just immediately, you know, go bonkers, um, but he grabs the sphere that is projecting this entire map, and the person who came with them is actually someone in from the enclave who is interested in the lore of the entire mountain and is and was like enamored with that object and said we should take that with us. Maybe we can learn how to activate it in a different place. And, you know, that probably has so much lore in it that could be, you know, me and all of my descendants could study that, yeah, and right. that would, you know, like that would that would take, you know. And so she was determined to to get it and convince him to give it to her. Um, and he says, "Nah, we don't need that. And he basically drops it. Oh. But he he dropped it. um he was thinking if he sort of threw it up, it would go back and be like levitated in the middle of the room again. But it fell to the ground of this – You know, the room is round and he's out standing on a platform. And it fell to the ground and, and it broke. Oh. And so she went down and she gathered up the, the two pieces and, and said, oh, I, I'm sure I could fix this. And she like – she went and she said, I'm out of here. I'm going to go take this back because I don't trust you now because yeah, you, you don't away. care. Yeah, you don't care about this lore. It's a five thousand gold piece artifact, right? But but they but at this point in time, right? So there had been a huge earthquake, and they had figured out that they needed to kill the the Grindle Root so that they would save the mountain. They convinced everyone in the enclave to evacuate. Oh wow! They they had this whole council. There was it was a really awesome scene, and they went and they they went with the um the apprentice person who was trying to tell her story about how they were looking for the lore and her 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 master went crazy and then all of a sudden he started attacking her and now she's afraid and and then like th- this huge earthquake happens and she knows what he's going to do and like all these things right and so they convinced they they convinced Balon the beardless and and I picked you know three or four other members to be this this odd number of people uh, as the council they they convinced all these people that they needed to pack up and evacuate and that they needed to pack up in like six hours and leave because it takes three days to get out of the mountain because they don't even know if they're they're going to be fast enough to make it. And then they gather up this group and they go – and everybody else is packing up and caravanning out of the mountain and trying to warn you know they convinced them just just anybody you run into any creature send out messages just warn everybody everybody needs to get out of here because it's going to collapse and then they went down well so then they're having this fight and he drops the you know he drops the 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 sphere and she goes down she gets the piece and she puts them in her bag and she's like i'm i'm gone i'm done with this i don't you know i you you don't you know the what use is preserving the mountain if we're not going to preserve the knowledge in it as well? Yeah, right? right. Why, why even bother saving the mountain if we're not going to save the knowledge? So she leaves. He chases her. Ah, why? And he chases her and she runs into – and so spoilers for anybody listening. She runs into the main chamber to, to haul her up to tell one of the wizards to cast Levitate so she can leave. And she oh. runs right into the black pudding. The black pudding. <laughs> and it, it – and I crit. 
Oh. oh. <laughs> and it basically disintegrated her. And as they ran, the two of them chasing her, as they ran up, they basically saw her melt yeah. into this thing. And she threw the bag. She said, you know, preserve the knowledge or something. And she, <laughs> oh, God. And, and she was gone. And that was the only person they had with them that could do any healing whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes bad choices happen. Yeah, bad, bad choices. And um, so they ended up – they went back up. They told their story of woe. They said they got attacked. Of course, they didn't. They lied. (laughs) They didn't didn't explain and they omitted some important Well, there was an orb and a black pudding. Yeah. Well, the the thing is that there were these three wizards in town uh, who um, who they had already really annoyed because they didn't they kept trying to ask the wizards, you know, well, what spells do you know? And, you know, and so one of the wizards was like, oh, oh, are you interested in learning the spells? And the one guy's like, no, not really. I just want to know what you can cast. And so <laughs> they, they were very, they got very annoyed <laughs> Checking your challenge rating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They they got really they got really annoyed, and so and so I had these three wizards, and they were playing, you know, this really arrogant wizards. But they they understood that it was an important enough. They were convinced too that these guys knew something about what was going on, and they needed to help. But they didn't. So anyway, so they go they get all the other rest of the people because now they know it's really dangerous. Which I don't know what why they didn't have a clue beforehand. <laughs> they they come down. And they try they, – they're thinking – they're like, well, we looked at every other room that we didn't find anything. But they hadn't really explored the the room with the control crystal yeah. that's actually – that's actually maintaining the – you know, once again, spoilers. The, that's actually keeping the Grendel root in check. Right. Um, they didn't really explore that very well. So they figured that out. Then they went down there. Well, one of them got really hurt and um, – uh, the other one thought, oh, that that's not down there. Like they they couldn't figure out. Like they they were too scared to actually take the lift down the tunnel to go to where the Grindle Root was, and they thought they needed to explore everything else beforehand. So they they ended up going into one of the rooms uh, that had a sort of degraded um, portal in it, and they said, well. That none of that's working. So finally, they went down the tube and they they got there and they were starting to fight the Grindle Root and they were losing badly um, because the priest person was in there and he was attacking them and he of course had you know three big guardians and all kinds of stuff and it was a tough battle. What level are um, they? They're fifth level. Okay, and you said there's two of them. There's two two PCs, but they had uh, Other three. Folks with them? Yeah, they they had a bunch of people with them. Gotcha. Um, so they had enough firepower, and they they had enough people that I could narrate, like, oh, you know, these two, you know, wizards are taking care of this guardian over here, and the, you know, so right. they didn't. Ha- I didn't have to actually play out each right. individual like role and all that kind of stuff. I did have two of the PCs fight with them, and I get ga- I just gave them like little three by five cards with some yeah. info, yeah. so that they could be those PCs as well, you know. And uh, so they were losing badly. They lost, you know, two or three of the of, of their NPCs were killed. Uh, um, and they decided uh, it's time to retreat. And they couldn't figure out how to actually <laughs> kill. Oh, I was like, operate the lift. Like, how does this no, thing no. work? No, you they, gotta get they, out of here. They, they, that's part of the reason why it took them forever to get down there because they, they – couldn't figure out how to make that work for a long time. Then once they did, then that was it. But when they got down there, so what happened was the priest ended up, I can't remember exactly 
I have it in my notes, which I don't have sitting right here next to me. But basically, the priest did something, and he caused one of the NPCs to basically go crazy. And they were worried that um, – and then they killed him. They, they, they actually defeated the priest. But they, they, they reset the – like the, the – the, um, they reset the, like the heart of – The seed? Yeah, the seed. They reset the seed. But then they, they couldn't figure out – they – they knew, but they didn't want to do it for some reason. They they didn't want to go do like mending spells on the control panel or on on the control um, lightning machine, so that it would reinforce the cage that's holding the seed. So I was trying to get them to do that. So I basically told them, well, you know, um, you're it, there's still earthquakes and whatnot going on. You whatever you've done, it has not settled the mountain. You know, there's still things happening. So they went exploring to try. They're like, there has to be something else in here. And while they did that, the one who the priest made go crazy, she climbed down actually to be with the Grindle Root. And one of the players looked and and saw her go down there and was like, oh, crap. Like, I don't know what's down there. Followed her down, saw that there was the huge mass of the Grindle Root and was like, oh, crap, that's too powerful. I can't fight it and climbed back up. Mm-hmm. left her down there and then they went exploring thinking there had to be something else that they were missing right and they had missed the secret door that so once again spoilers the secret door that went to the room that had like the um the old weapons and all that all the old old degraded things and i and i decided at that point okay i'm going to put something in there that they're going to think is going to be the thing that will help them finish this so if they go over there and they find it i'll i will you know because Obviously, they're thinking there's something they haven't done, but they can't. They're they're not they're not figuring it out. And rather than tell them, I'm trying to like offer opportunities for them to do things. And so, they go in there and they go into that room. But instead of like trying to look around and find like some secret doors or anything behind that statue, they sit down. One of them sits down in the uh, in the degraded portal pattern. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. That thing's going to activate, and they're going to leave. Mm. So they teleported out, but now they're mad because <laughs> mm. they left. They left their friend down there with the Grindle Root, and they didn't actually finish it. So they teleported a few miles away from the mountain, and they could feel earthquakes. And now they're like, "Oh man!" They're like, "Oh crap!" So now they're on their way back. They're like, "No, we got to go back. We got to." Is rescue. there is the friend that they left? The an NPC. It's JC Goldsmile. Oh, okay. Oh, I, got I turned into. I a have a really great badass. idea. Yeah. So I turned her into a total badass. How about a, a JC Goldsmile hybrid, Grendelroot hybrid? Well, so that's the thing, right? Like, so <laughs> like, the only way that JC is going to be able to make the mountain stop is to make to make Grendelroot feel like she's not going to let it get harmed. Yeah. Right. What if she what if she becomes one with it? Right. So that's basically what's going to have to happen. But it has to it has to take a while because they're going to have to see it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's that's kind of where I'm going, although it kind of depends on what they do when they get back, because basically they're going to be coming back and they're going to run into the caravan coming the other way <laughs> with everybody leaving. And they're going to the everybody's going to be like, what the hell? How'd you get out here? And so then they're going to try to get people to go back in with them. 
and nobody's going to want to go. So what? Because what, everybody the, else got killed. So let's let's assume that they that this means they're running away means that the whole thing is a failure. Their their big quest is a failure. Uh, what are the consequences? What would the consequences um, now, be? The, if they do, if they decide not to go back, the mountain will collapse and there'll be a giant crater. Uh, and yeah, and and, ha- and how does that significantly change the world? The, the yeah, it will because the Grindle root will then be it just keeps growing. Yeah, it's, and it's so a it's giant gonna, weed. It's it's basically going to be it, it's like a great old one except it's yeah. it's consuming the planet yeah, and right. it will eventually finish consuming the planet and then it will finish consuming. Right, right. The space around yeah, it. And, there's, there's two. Yeah. yeah, in 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 the the way I'm writing it, and in some of the, I don't, Sam, I don't know if you've seen the, I don't think I sent you the the six to six to twenty campaign. Um, and, yeah. but the other part of it is the Grendel used Star Song Tower to call out to the Black Star. Right, and, right, and the, the black star. I remember that is, from the lore. Yeah. Yeah. Right, it's the parent of the Grendel root, and it's coming too. So, right. yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You, have, I, you have I, the I, root, which is growing yeah. on the world, and then you have a, an entire, you know, right. a bigger threat. So on basically, the basically, yeah. right now the Movies. world is a nursery for the Grendel root, and now since okay. it's signaling its parent, or since that signal got cut off, the parent's coming back. A really fun, a fun way to go. Like, I, I'm, I recall the movie, uh, what was it, uh, Prince of Darkness? Did you ever see the, the John Carpenter movie, Prince of Darkness? Oh, years ago. Yeah, so the whole big thing there is, like, people from the future are telling people that, like, you've got to go, Satan is getting free underneath this church, you have to go stop it. And so they go down to stop it, and one of the women gets thrown into a portal into hell to try to stop it, and then they show right. the future again, and the future is her coming out of it as Satan. You know, so they could be like that same sort of thing where like they left, they left, you know, they left Jace down there. Jace figured out like the only way I can stop the Grendel root is becoming, give it some human morality, give it some mortal morality. Yeah. And, but, but maybe that's not working. So the characters have a better chance of convincing the Jace, the Jace Grendel root not to destroy the world or the mountain, you know, or the mountain. Yeah. And that Jace can essentially calm it to the point where it sort of resets itself into a non-destructive force. Mm-hmm. But they, they'd have to get back there, fight their way to it. Like maybe there's a bunch of Grendel root monsters that went went crazy because there's, you know, did I give you that chapter? There's a whole chapter about how to make monsters, Grendel root monsters. Well, they yeah, I mean, they yeah. So pretty much everything that they've that they have run into has been like corrupted by the. Yeah, Grendel so you can have like a yeah. whole bunch of other interesting monsters yeah. that are they're corrupted. That and, the, and then they get of, there and they have to negotiate with Jace. Yeah. One, one of the other things that I did was anytime there's an area where there's the black goo dripping all over. Right. If a dead creature rolls into that, it becomes undead. Yeah, that, that and it gets back up. Right. right. Yeah, that right. Fits, so that's that's that from the thing, right? So that's what happened with Violet Falls. Yeah. So and and I just had that. I carried that through everything else. Yeah. So anywhere where there's any goo dripping, because one of the things is right, like the Grendel root is in, in it's impenetrable. So no one's been able to damage it or do anything to it, right? right. But. But so, but yet it still has this weird power it can imbue. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So, so that's basically what happened. So, what I thought was because the thing was that right before they teleported out, they were arguing about whether they were actually going to go get JC Goldsmile or, and, and try to kill the Grindle Root and, and rescue her, or if they were just going to leave because, She's down there, and she wasn't listening to reason anyway because she was kind of crazy because of what the priest did. And so 
they were just going to try to you know escape and save themselves because they didn't think they could harm the Grindel root. Like mm, in right. other words, it was inevitable. And so when they teleported out, one of them was like, "Huh, okay, well we're free. Let's go. <laughs> Let's right, go. we're done." Well, the, and the other one was like, "No way, we got to go back and get our friend." That's one of the things that that I've yeah. come to with with my DMing um, is is those areas where. The players ultimately like they run away or they fail at the larger quest, Be- mm-hmm. in that if a DM is creative enough and does that right, that suddenly becomes an even more interesting story, yeah, right? right? And it sounds right. like you've got some great ideas and great seeds to make it go that direction. So yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I, I was kind of surprised. I knew it was coming to the end of the summer and that we probably weren't going to get to play for a while, right. and so. At the end there, I was sort of just like, well, at least I know they're safe, right? So if they – if we never ever get to meet again just because of our real-life schedules, right. at least I know you know, there, there's not a cliffhanger. They're not sort of hanging out waiting for, well, what happened to our characters? Like, right. Right. like even if we pick it up you know, in three months, we can either start new characters in the same world or we can go right back to where we were, and, and it's a memorable stopping point. <laughs> But it's not such a cliffhanger that like right. they don't know whether they're you know hanging on a thread or what's going on. Or so, go back to yeah. the same characters and be like, hey, it's been three months since we played it. It's also been three months in the game. Yeah, Let me tell you what happened. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you look yeah. over and there's giant spires piercing out of this mountain. Yeah. You went you went back and the Grindel root was no longer there. Ha ha ha. Where'd yeah. it go? <laughs> yeah. And by the so, way, there's a something eclipsed the sun and it's not. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, right and on. the lore says you need a map of the multiverse to figure out how to. <laughs> <laughs> the only way to stop it is a map of the multiverse. Anyway, that sounds great. I think it'll be fun. I look yeah. forward to sort of hearing if you ever get back to it. So. Yeah, I mean it's it's been super fun, and uh, and unfortunately, almost the only one that I didn't play test was the one that Mike needs. The one that Mike test. needs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. Which I could totally I could totally fit into my campaign if you're willing to wait like uh, a few weeks, if not a month. No. <laughs> okay, then I can't help you. Schedule. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I get you. That's totally fair. All right. I think we should go ahead and call that good. Our 45 minutes of discussion has gone about an hour and 15 now. So, so, so wait, wait, I want want to say one other thing. Okay. One other thing. If, if you want to know what's happening in my other game, you just got to go to the don't split the podcast network and listen to D and D brief. Yeah, you do. And why wouldn't you? Yeah. I don't know why. uh, My, my oldest son recently got a phone for the first time a few months ago. And I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I started downloading podcasts for him. And one of the ones that I downloaded was D&D Brief. And now that is the podcast he listens to every week when he mows the yard. It's, oh, his, nice. it's, his, it's his mowing podcast. He loves it. Nice. Well, I, I just sent them another episode for them to put up. So there'll be a new one in a couple of days. Yeah. And, and then there's one in the can. So, Sweet. yeah, it's, get, it's getting interesting. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we will wrap it up there, uh, and I hope people enjoy listening. And that's it for Behind the DM Screen. Say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. guys.